from the twisted realm of science and the darkest pits of reason comes chilling tales of godlessness. Bear witness to the unfathomable terror that is... The Good Atheist. Welcome to the GoodAtheist.net podcast. My name is Jacob Forte. And I'm Ryan Harkness. Oh, I feel rusty saying this. Like, it's been forever, which I think it's been like two weeks since I did a, a show. It's not been often that I've taken such time off. I think people are freaking out. I got plenty of messages being like, is your website down and I can't access you? Are you dead? Are you- What's going on? Are you alive, please? We need your pulse. And truthfully, I don't know if this is still happening, but the site, some people are having problems visiting it. I don't know why. Apparently some DNS maybe uh, refresh needs to happen. Well, here, that, that actually might be partially my fault because you are on the same server as Fightlinker still. Right. And uh, I actually, that's one of the that's one of my 2012 things to get done uh, immediately is move you over onto your own server because right. I think you are getting hammered because, because uh, the other sites are so gigantic. I think that's what's happening. It's essentially, I've I've already been looking at this part of my strategy as well because I've had to, you know, I'm having to make some decisions about moving over to our, you know, my own server. And it used to be when we had both projects going on, you know, it it, it made sense to have a much larger server. But I'm trying to look think of, think of it from a cost perspective, right? How much do I want to spend on hosting? Well, it could be a lot considering how much the fucking shows are encoded. Uh, in terms of quality and oh, how much the fucking th- shit gets downloaded, man. It's nuts. Yeah. HostGator doesn't even look at that stuff. Pay $10 a month, you're fine. Really? It's gone to that point? It has gone to that point. I remember, ba- I remember back in the day, basically the only thing that's expensive right now to host, which I learned because, of course, I want to do it, is running an online radio station. That is bandwidth heavy enough that actually you could start having to pay a decent amount. But oh, really? Other than that, even with podcasting, even the numbers that we do... Uh, I get worried about it, though. $10 you know? a month will take care of you. I get worried because, you know, some shows have, like, almost 9,000 listens. And you think about, oh, man, how many times has... How big is this fucking file? And how many times has 9,000 so many times? And there's, there's like, hundreds of shows. It's starting to be like, whoa. Is this going to be a problem? But I'm glad to see that, finally... We're not 1999 anymore. Yay! Yeah, bandwidth doesn't cost all that much unless you're on your cell phone, in which case, twenty dollars a meg, twenty dollars a meg. So, if anybody's been having some problems, uh, it may continue just for like a day or two while we make the switch over. But well, uh, let's not promise too much. A week or two. There okay, we a week or two. That's let's more be like reasonable. It. Anytime reasonable. we say anything about dates or times, just. Uh, times it by seven. I worry, though, that at that point, if we say two weeks, now that means by that rule, that means, that means several months. Well, you know, that's not bad considering our track record. All I'm saying is if we're applying a formula here and it's understood, then we should just compensate by that by saying that it'll be done in two days. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so look forward to that, folks. Two days, I swear. <laughs> two days, good atheist time. But today on the show, it's kind of going to be a recap of say my recent thoughts about the show because it has been off for a little while and it's I don't know if anybody knew this but I was I came close to not doing any more shows I came really fucking close because I did my end of the year taxes and uh, I was like oh my god this is horrible I can't do this I can't do this forever kind of a minor freak out remember when you asked me how can you not freak out yeah two weeks before the freak out okay so yeah I did freak out minorly. I just I asked myself this question. I think that part of the show is based on this question, something we should seriously ask as non-believers. I thought to myself, in the next five years, will I be in a position where what I'm doing now or even what I try to improve upon is going to be successful enough that I could have a family? Because as some of you now know, we're on the Facebook page. I'm now engaged. And uh, not not just engaged, but engaged to one of the good atheist co-hosts. That's right, Carissa Hendricks. For and not only know. just engaged to one of the good atheist co-hosts, but to a woman that he met through the good atheist. That is correct. Yeah. Who listened to the good atheist? And yes, I did pursue a fan, and I did. I want to marry that. Hey, fan. your intentions were were noble. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. There you go. Well, you know, I always say that uh, if you if you want to really find that special someone, find yourself out there. Mm-hmm. You're bound to. Find someone who's a lot like you. That is the secret, goddammit. Secret happiness. That's all you really want? Don't give me this bullshit that you want somebody that's different or opposites attract. That's nonsense. What the fuck are you talking about? Opposites attract? It's a good way to essentially kill each other at the end of a lifetime. That's what I think. But regardless of that, you know, the, the, the one 
great thing about being in a in a stable, happy relationship is it you know it does make you happy, but it also puts into question all these other things that are less awesome. You know what I mean? Like it's it's only when something awesome that happens when you realize how shitty other things can be. Well, you have to start once you once you've once you've written off that thing where you find somebody to start a family with, you have to start thinking about the practicality of that and how you're going to accomplish it and how you're going to make it last for uh, 60 to 70 years, which is uh, kind of stressful. Yeah, it difficult is a little to, bit stressful. Difficult to figure out. I yeah. think many of us are only starting to figure out our five-year plans, let alone our 30-year plans. So to try and visualize everything to the point where you feel confident, making life decisions with another human being, sucking them into your vortex, into your vortex. <laughs> yes, my my crazy wacky vortex. I got to make sure that in you know, my gravitational pull doesn't lead towards a black hole, though. Ultimately, I mean, yeah. I got to feel like it's going somewhere, and uh, I had to have a little bit of an honest look at myself. You know, I was before I sort of had that depression. Though I was watching. Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares. And I'm going to tell you something. That show really taught me a couple lessons. Number one, it taught me to just take a really hard look. Take a kind of Gordon Ramsay look at your fucking business and sort your shit out. You know, stop thinking that you're doing all the things right when you're not. And uh, just, you know, admit that you're a big giant tard because there was nothing like... There was this one... On one show, there was this one guy... He ran that restaurant with the with the music. He was trying to do all these other things, and he kept on being the biggest twat by fucking trying to convince everyone that everything was great, even though it was falling apart. Right? You're just like, what the fuck, dude? Why are you buying your own bullshit? You invited Gordon Ramsay in your home. You admitted there was a problem, and now you're trying to tell him that it's all good. When I saw that, I'm like, man, there must be parts of me that are like this. Otherwise, I would think I'd be a success. So obviously, I'm swallowing some of my own bullshit. Identify the bullshit, and then you know. After feeling kind of crappy about it for a little while, because that's the first reaction, right? You're just like, oh no, oh god, <laughs> I'm so crappy, <laughs> such failure. It's the first reaction. It's, uh, you know, and from, but from that slump, you kind of like, all right, well, I'm, I'm used to feeling crappy, and it gets better. You, you forget about the shitty things you did. Now you're like, okay, well, I gotta fix them. And after the overwhelmingness of having to fix it sets in because that's the second phase you know what I mean like the part where you're alright I want to change and then all of a sudden you realize the work needed to change and you're like I don't want to do it anymore Brr, second depression <laughs> classic but after that wears out now you have some more momentum and you're like I think I can actually do this because in the interim you were thinking about a plan that made a little bit more sense and was a lot more reasonable than all the other plans you had when you were in wishy-washy, I don't know what the fuck to do land, right? When, you, when, when faced with the reality of your situation, you can still be clever as long as you, you know, you're not constantly stressing over and you have enough time to relax. And I think that's what the holidays did for me. They allowed me to just fucking relax. Relax despite the, fa the fact that I felt that the foundations of everything were crumbling. I'm like, relax, okay? The world's not ending. It's 2012, for God's sakes. You got a whole year before it ends. <laughs> you got twelve months. You got exactly twelve months. You know, I, I, got a, now. I got an interesting side story about the end of the world. Actually, well, I was down in Ottawa. I made some plans. I know what I'm going to be doing next December. Next December twelfth, like specifically December twelfth. Yes, or right. I thought it was December twenty first. Isn't that the end of the world? Uh, well, I, if it's December twelfth, it's twelve, 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 which is going to probably be the date that everyone focuses on. Despite the fact that I think the, uh, the I think the, the Mayan calendar was December twenty first. I know, I, but that's I'm, not what that's not a sexy number. I know, but it's not about the sexy number. We aren't Asians, True. so <laughs> it, we got our own numbers. It's about the, it's about the Mayan thing. All right, so, but uh, to me, the date doesn't matter because uh, this this is just a general plan in that I December. Had. Yeah, I'm going to be going down to South America, to Ecuador. I'm going to drink from the vine. Wow. All right. Who are you going to bring with you? Uh, well, it's definitely going to be me and Mike. Other than that, there might be a few other friends of ours, but uh, it's going to be small, probably about five or six people. And what, what, what exactly is the vine, if you could be more specific? Uh, it's people called who ayahuasca. It's, ayahuasca. Uh, it's a form of DMT that grows in the plants down in South America. You go out for five or six days into a shamanic hut, and uh, you have two or three sessions with a shaman. 
Are you going to come back all fucking spiritual and all hip, shit? All hippy-dippy, herpa-derpa? Yeah. I'm going to kick you out of the show. I can't have that on the show. <laughs> Don't come back all fucking hippie like, oh, I had some experiences. Yeah, your brain freaked out. Don't tell me anything deep happened when you freaked out. Fuck you. Well, lots of deep things can happen when you freak out. That's the whole point. I mean, once you realize that everything that you're receiving and everything that you're understanding just has to do with your brain makeup and, and the stuff that your, your, your head is feeding you, then uh, that really puts a lot of things into perspective. I know, but first you have to enter it knowing that that's what's happening. I do. That's a very different attitude, because a lot of people who don't and do it, that's that's when you get the hippy-dippy bullshit. <laughs> I, I love the people who are like, I think what I saw might have been real. Uh. <laughs> I'm like, well, real in the sense that you perceived it and that your brain generated it, but other than that, oh, no. I mean, I, I go into it. Uh, with, with a very scientific uh, feeling and uh, with the idea that I'm going to expand my personal philosophies. That's so, fair enough. I, I, I can I can say that I have no objection towards it. I wouldn't do it myself only because I think that I would die of shock. I'm that kind of guy, though. You know me. I'm a, I'm a fucking hypochondriac to the max. It's true. Do not want to have a fucking freak out with that because you can talk yourself into a heart attack. No shit. Oh yeah, especially with the with the crazy stuff that goes on. Apparently, there's a lot of death and rebirth, so it should be pretty intense. I'm oh, looking boy. forward to it. He's gonna come back changed. Okay, let's make the date here official when Ryan goes off the deep end. <laughs> he had a bit too much peyote or whatever you called it. What, drank from the vine. Yeah, I've already drank peyote. Right. Doesn't that make you throw up? Yes. Uh, that does not sound pleasant. Why? why Ayahuasca apparently gives you diarrhea. Oh boy. Yeah. Well, that's a common reaction when your body freaks out. It's like shit everything out. <laughs> Let's get it all out, folks. I don't care what's happening. Shit it out. <laughs> Vacate. Vacate all holes. It's like I don't care that he's in a crowded room. Vacate now. <laughs> this is a body function. It takes precedence over embarrassment. <laughs> um, so yeah, back to the back to the general point. What. I feel is kind of the essence of, of my realization at the end of it is I just had to be had a clear idea of what I was going to do and, and of course everybody knows what I need to do I get teased about it every fucking other day and that's fine it's just finish the fucking book because really if you were to say craft me a fucking financial plan of where it goes I think I crafted it properly four years ago but somehow I've had to convince myself the whole time that yeah write a book you need to write a book write the stupid book Jake it's really hard but you just gotta write it but here's the realization that I had, and I think this is the most important part, is that I was obsessed about writing the book that I'm not ready to write. I can't write that book. So now I need to write the book that I can write. That was my insight. I know that sounds really simple, but it took a long time to figure it out. I now know that I should write the book that I can write, and I think that everybody knows what that is. It's the Bible stories. It's the thing I've already been writing for a long time that I've put together. The, the, the shit that is really literally the crack to you. You know, when I look at the statistics of who downloads what, there's no question about who downloads what. The Bible stories are like hotcakes. Hotcakes. They, they raised their membership rates by about 600 to 700. Oh, people, people love a humorous interpretation of the stupid shit that happens in the Bible. What can you do? And, 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 and to some degree, I'm like, look, so much has already been said. I'm not going to say anything new to you that's going to be that interesting, but... I can always present inf information in an entertaining way. And what is tougher than trying to read the Bible, guys? It's just a nightmare, right? It's the driest piece of shit until you start really understanding what the stories are rather than be confounded by the ridiculous language. Yeah. And, you know, there's some sequel potential, too, because you could do the Quran and the Hadith. I've been reading a lot about Muslims on my vacation. This is what I did is I picked up like... You were in America, though. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I picked up a whole, whole bunch of books on Islam and Islam and women and and then Muhammad. And I, uh, my understanding of the Hadith now is it sounds like a sitcom <laughs> of Muhammad and Medina with his like twelve wives, his twelve crazy bitches. And whenever they start getting out of hand, he's like, "The Lord is giving me a revelation. You shall not interrupt my Monday night football." <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. It sounds about right. When Mohammed has done his dinner, the guests will leave the house and his wives will leave him alone. <laughs> so saith the Lord. The Lord has told me that I shall have a smoking den populated by many shishas <laughs> and not by women. <laughs> that the women shall come to me on the appointed day and not otherwise, and it shall be very simple and uncomplicated from then on. So saith the Lord. It's pretty hilarious. I've been really enjoying finding out the real 
truth and what's been going on with Muhammad. Because you really see how he was quite a, kind of a real person, and you see it in the same way. Like Joseph say, Smith. Joseph Smith, yeah, exactly. Perfect, perfect where you example. see him do all these things, and they say, oh yeah, that was this real spiritual side to him. Doesn't it show his glory in the Lord? And I'm like, no, it just sounds like he's a scammer who's, who's just like... He I'm, wants whatever he wants. Yeah, exactly. And then I'm gonna, he's going to back it up by saying, God, God did it. <laughs> God told me this. God told me. Yeah. So. Well, you, you know what it reminds me, too? I mean, we, um, uh, over the years, like doing all the, the, the stuff with you on Fight Linker, the uh, Mixed Martial Art Podcast has made me kind of, uh, I don't want to say appreciate because it's the wrong word, but I, I love watching those fighters who are s- extremely religious, right? The really good ones, like uh, Ben Henderson is a perfect example, right? Here's a guy who really, honestly, is, in many ways, almost seems indestructible whenever you hit him. He doesn't go down. He doesn't, you know, he can't be submitted. It's amazing to watch him work, and I know that part of his motivation towards everything is this really strong confidence in himself that he masks by projecting a false sense of humility through God. Like saying, God is number one, and I'm the number two. You know what I mean? Like, all of the glory to God, but what I'm doing is glorious. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, wow. Don't mind my awesomeness. That's just Jesus coming through me. Right, exactly. And when you think about it, you're like... I wish I could be that egotistical. God functions through me. Holy shit. Did, did he really just say that? It's a very relaxing and empowering feeling to be able to go into any competition and know however what you did, it's God's, God's plan for you, man. I, I like Just taking all that worry and concern out of your life and just putting, putting yourself into the hands of a higher power. Uh, well, I mean, there's a reason why religion is still around and is so popular. It's because it's pretty, uh, it's pretty good. It works like that. Yeah. So that you you can actually have you can have your cake and eat it too as long as you believe that Jesus is what makes you awesome. Then you can just claim that you're the most humble fucking person in the goddamn world. You're like, oh yeah, no, I'm just a dude. Jesus is awesome. He's the one who functions through me, but he's awesome. Mm. Give me a fucking break, man. Anyways, like you can't communicate to this person saying you're the most egotistical person in the world you are Narcissus uh, personified if Narcissus had decided to give all of his love to God be like wow thanks Zeus for making me so beautiful well I mean it's the ultimate narcissism to say we know all the answers to everything and if you disagree with us you're going to go to hell you're going to burn forever if you don't want our amazing loving salvation don't you know we know the truth exactly of course we know the truth you're going to hell it's complete <laughs> You know, there was there was a really good quote, an exact quote, like just two or three paragraphs from Christopher Hitchens from God is Not Great, uh, where he just nailed that down, where he basically said that thing. It's like the ultimate, it, it's it's just the ultimate in egotism when, when people say that. And I just love that. Well, we, we don't, here's, here's a problem that I feel uh, with the scene, the atheism scene in general, is that we were always so careful to try to present ourselves as objective that we can often overstate things. I'll give you a common example, right? I'll say, well, I'm an atheist, but I'm also open to the possibility that there may be a god. If I had to say that every single time, I would, I, it's like overstating the fact that, yeah, I'm leaving a possibility there. To a person who just wants to believe that every individual is, is just made better with the belief in God, they'll grasp at that tiny little thing and say, oh, well, you know, I just need to show him. He's just going to see the light. You've overstated the fact that you have, uh, a, generally speaking, a scientifically open mind to the idea of God, but that, I, th- like that notion, your notion of open-mindedness and the notion of, say, a believer, very fucking different definitions of open-mindedness. So simply by making that statement, you've overstated it. And now we have a problem. You know, now it now it appears as though our position is weak. Like you don't hear the the religious people saying, "Oh, we really believe in God, but we're, we we leave the room there for non-belief." If it, it, we we could fall off the wagon, it's like, "Oh, I know you can. I know on dark nights, I know there are many times, no matter how religious they are, where you doubt, you doubt like a motherfucker. Oh, you're, you're like you son of a bitch. Why'd you take my beautiful daughter from me? You son of a bitch." <laughs> But it never gets brought up, it's true, because uh, faithful people are trained not to... Not to question. Yeah, well, not to let that kind of shit seep through. Yeah. And not to really bring it up. Well, we, uh, we kind of revel in the fact that we're so open-minded that if God came down and was like, yo, <laughs> we could be like, I'm open to this, I'm going to poke around in the background and make sure there's no Wizard of Oz shit going on, but... I'm just guy seems sort of legit. I, I just, all I'm saying, I, I mean, it's, I don't have a solution. 
just I see the problem. I see the problem as us overstating a lot of things. We overstate our positions about gender equity in our scene. We make it seem as though things are worse than they are by just sometimes even mentioning it. Like, oh, there's a problem. Yeah, there's a problem generally. It's, it's not related with, to with, the atheism with, with scene. With life it's and just... North American culture and everything else. Yeah. And it's really unfortunate that I, I think Rebecca Watson has nice tits. Sorry. <laughs> they are kind of... Great. That, uh, I'm glad you said that, not me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want the heat. Already I invite the heat when I criticize... Uh, what I believe is is sort of a mischaracterization that that she'll often use. It's because here's the thing: I'm not going to accuse her of being well, wrong in the examples that she chooses. I don't want to fight that fight. It's kind of like, oh, I exposed this monster and now try to defend it. You're like, I'm not trying to defend your example. I'm saying, a, don't fucking police the internet because you can't. And I'm saying, b, if you try to look what you're, if you try to find what you're looking for, guess what? You're going to find what you're looking for. That's it. Those are my two points. I'm like, otherwise, I don't want to fucking take on a, the demon of sexism. I had one person say, like, your non-recognition of this is leading, is causing the problem. And my response was, do you have any idea what the implications of your sentence is, sir? You're being fucking ridiculous. You're saying, no, Jacob, you're part of the problem now. Uh, well, I yeah, mean, I don't think so. Yeah, well, look, we are kind of the problems because I think we are probably the most sexist, uh, ignorant sh atheism show on there. Because So if you want to talk about bad atheist examples we're probably up there but hey i'm i'm kind of proud of that <laughs> yeah exactly the the whole scene is just so full of goddamn pussies that i'm glad that we could be the ones to say no we'll still speak genuinely about what we believe and if it offends people fuck you honestly fuck you and that's the only thing i can say with any truthfulness and honesty fuck you if you have a problem with it sorry i'm not going to please everyone i really don't want to i think that's a mistake well, and, and speaking of mistakes, I want to talk about Susan Jacoby. She wrote an article a couple days ago that was just basically outlining the problems with the atheism scene moving forward. And I think it's time for us to really recognize the fact that there are real problems. For people that don't remember Susan Jacoby, she wrote The Age of American Unreason. Which I had an interview with her, but unfortunately I put it as a bonus show, so who heard it? That was you stupid. Should, uh, you should release it for free. I'm re-releasing like it, yeah. Yeah, it's like a, a buffer thing to make up for the fact that people haven't had anything for a while. Good idea, yeah. We're going to release some old interviews that you probably didn't hear because I didn't put it up properly. That's um, how you can be lazy, is every time you're feeling lazy, just dig out a bonus <laughs> show from like three years ago and stick it up. I like it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to regular show 157. <laughs> <laughs> Was the audio a little bit different? Don't pay any attention to that. And besides, I, I wonder actually how many people could tell the difference. Seriously, if I dug 60 shows back oh, the, and played it. The enthusiasm on the old, on the old shows is just, <laughs> you tell. <laughs> That's how you tell, yeah. You're like, hey, wait, they sound really happy. They sound like they love doing this. <laughs> they don't sound like crusty curmudgeons that are getting old. Exactly. Well. What can you do? But, uh, yeah, generally speaking, uh, Susan Jacoby is very involved in the atheism scene. She's actually going to write a book uh, about uh, y y about the secular scene, and, and she kind of launched it with, a, with an article. I think that's clever, a long article, saying, well, here are some of the challenges. Number one, we're not as big as we think we are, okay? We don't really have any influence, and we're still regarded as bad as rapists. Yeah, rapists! Unbelievable! That's how we're viewed in North America. We're rapists. Yeah, we have a lot of work to do, guys. A lot of fucking work to do. Yeah, pretty much the only time we ever get any... Uh, anybody ever talks about us is when we're trying to do stupid things to the nativity scenes in town halls and stuff. I'm not saying don't do that because, hey, everybody can just do whatever the heck they want. Any battle, I guess, is an important battle or blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, those those aren't, to me, the, the big ones. And they're not really... They're not really winning... I understand why there are a lot of people who are like, I consider myself an agnostic because atheism has such a bad rap. I'm like, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, it does. The, the truth of the matter is we're still in a world in which it takes bravery to, uh, to come out as an atheist, you know? And, and I think about the fact that what I say is technically illegal every day. In Canada, there is no right to protect me in my speech and what I say. It could be regarded as hate speech, and I could go to jail. And I remember a while ago, when we were talking about this before, you said, I would love to see them try it, because, oh, the thunder that oh, would God. come down. Yeah, and, like, and at the time, yeah. I was like, no, because... Remember, we were talking about this on a, on a radio show, a guy who went to jail for putting... In uh, Liverpool. A, yeah, yeah, for putting atheist cartoons in a chapel in an airport. And, uh, yeah, no one, no one came to his rescue. Nope. No, no one gave a shit. No, no one gave a shit about 
the fact that John Lennon Airport... Yeah, that's where it happened. Cannot... Oh, my goodness. Well, I, I don't actually... I still think that people love John Lennon so much they forget the fact that he's an atheist, which is why every time they play his Imagine song, they'll always include Imagine One Religion or like the last one, that clown at the New Year's, Imagine All Religions Are True. Which is just the stupidest thing any human being can say. Oh, all religions are true, huh? The ones that contradict too? Excellent. Now we have accepted nonsense is real and truth has lost all meaning. Yay! Let's live in a completely relativistic universe. It sounds fucking fun to me. Oh, uh, we could live in a multiverse. Uh, well, yes, but I mean, you're not really part of the multiverse in the sense that you just still belong to this one, so fuck you. Yeah, I know, but I'm just saying. Imagine that. I know that you're just saying. That so much is obvious. <laughs> but yeah, okay. Susan Jacoby was saying that number one, yeah, we're not as big as we think we are. We have no. We, we're not harnessing any political power, which is strange considering our numbers. We're bigger than the Jewish lobby. We're pro I think there's more atheists than gay people. Not hundred. There's more atheists than fucking Mormons. Uh, yet no real political power. I mean, we're not even invited there. And when we when we go when when an organized group of atheists go to the White House, it's a big deal. It is a it is a way that the conservative groups utilize our struggle to uh, strengthen their hold on power. You know, this is the second part. This is, I think this is a part that Susan Jacoby didn't touch on, which is something that we have to acknowledge is as we get more confident, they, the, the fundamentalists get stronger. Like, just realize that. And they have an unbelievable amount of power compared to us. More funding than you could even imagine. And uh, they're extremely organized. Well, you've been watching... If anybody's been watching the Republican debates, take, take a look at how much time they spend talking about... Uh, fundamentalist crap as opposed to speaking about, I don't know, the economy or something? Yeah. Uh, yeah money or whatever. Jobs? <laughs> things that things that matter to real people? Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> as you can see, like, th th this, is, this, is, this is a part we cannot ignore because our existence threatens them. And, it, and to some degree, it will galvanize them more. You know, fundamentalism will grow as a result of us becoming more vocal. But here's the thing. We don't have much of a choice. And the implications of that means that we need to get our shit together. I cannot overemphasize this enough. Like, I've, I've stopped just talking about it. I'm now officially getting involved. Uh, but the way that I'm doing so is, is I'm playing to my strengths, right? I'm looking at secular organizations and I'm going to basically give them my advice on the kinds of stuff that I've wanted to do over the years but really couldn't afford to do so and my vision of what I think the atheism scene is going to need in order to be able to have that you know that strength you know here's a classic example one of the things that I recommend is that we need to simplify our message and to utilize more senses okay here's the thing when you make an appeal to reason there's no emotion there guess what memories are related to emotion okay that's how you make a fucking impact on people you're not gonna impact people just merely by making an appeal to reason that's, uh, no. It's not going to work. What we're going to have to do is we're going to have to find what is emotionally appealing about what we do. We're going to have to find the proper emotion to help convey what we want. What is that? I don't know yet, actually. <laughs> I don't have the answer to that yet. But my point is that you need things that people can identify with. You need to really simplify things. You need to stop being like, when I go to a website for a secular organization, I need to be able to know exactly what they're doing in a minute and a half. If I can't do that, you've fucking failed. That's it. It's as simple as that. It's how much you have time you have with people's attention span in the future, and that's the battleground you're going to be fighting. Go to any religious site, okay? Uh, you will find that there's a quick button to fucking donate here. There are fucking mission statements right in your face. It is a bastion of organization. They know exactly what they need to convey. Well, they definitely know how to mobilize people, be it you know, the the people who are definitely down with these groups, like the the more staunch, active people, they definitely have something to do. And even the casual people understand what the message is, and they understand basically kind of what the talking points that come out of these groups are, that uh, that they kind of pick up and just integrate into their lives. Well, the, the really important thing, I, I just finished talking to the national, the acting national director of the Center for Inquiry Canada. Some of you may remember from past shows, they had a bit of a problem... Uh, with uh, with the organization, there was 
Justin Trottier, who was the director there. political conflict. There was some, yeah, there was some drama when he got uh, canned. And, there, there, and was, stuff like there was, that. A, there was a bit of drama. There was an uprising. It was there, a bit of an uprising. There was an atheist spring. Right. <laughs> and uh, the aftermath of that, basically, when I talked to the organization, finding out, okay, well, what is the general plan and how are you guys operating? And they were just saying, well, you know, we're, 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 they're going to be actively looking for a permanent director starting probably in February, March. Once they've finished essentially figuring out what the general mission is, how are they going to properly uh, conceptualize everything, right? The, the job's not done. Like, they're, they're at a point where an organization grows enough that it starts facing its first few crises, right? How is it managed? What's its direction? This is like that. We're at that stage. That's exciting, guys. That's great. Like, that kind of news, when, when I look at it in retrospect, I'm like, that was a necessary thing to happen. A bit of like a chrysalis. Now... With that said, I, one, of, one of the things that one of the reasons why the acting director uh, got in touch with me, uh, Michael Payton, is that he was asking uh, that eventually, once they figure that out, they would like my help in trying to reach out to people and saying, like, they are looking for these qualities. You need to fucking get involved. This is happening. You know, if you're listening to this fucking podcast and you still haven't done anything in all the years that I've been talking to you, it's got to stop soon. You, you really, I cannot stress this enough, guys. Involvement is becoming. A major necessity. We have to look beyond just sort of like, hey, we're having some fun and we listen to the show and being entertained. Because at the end of the day, you know, the message that I've been trying to convey, get fucking involved, it's getting serious. Because I, I, you know, as Jacoby outlined, with the death of Christopher Hitchens, we've lost our voice. We've lost the most effective person at spreading the message by far. And uh, that's a significant loss there. I don't think we've really fully conceptualized. We've got who left? Dan Dennett that will put a room to sleep. Okay? Sam Harris, who is extremely intelligent, but also dry as a bone. Dry as a fucking bone. And then you have Richard Dawkins, who comes always across as a snooty little bastard. Yeah, I used to hate Richard Dawkins uh, back in the beginning. Now, I, I mean, when, once you understand what his deal is, you've read a couple of his books. You understand his You understand his, his where he's coming from whatever. and everything else like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, like, sure. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Richard. I'm but, just saying, what, how is he perceived it, by the it, general it, public? He's, he's actually a caricature for, for an atheist. <laughs> In a sense, almost like but what happens is that Richard Dawkins is almost too iconic. You know what I mean? It's, it's kind of like he can't do anything out of character, or all, otherwise you'll just be like, you're not being Richard Dawkins well, right Dawkins now. Well, Dawkins and Harris, I wouldn't say the problem is that they're dry as a bone. It's just that they're academia. And, you know, they're very good at what they do, but it doesn't really... They're not communicators, we, we, I, I talked about this when we opened up the... Uh, when we did the, the podcast for, for one of the atheist The live uh, atheist podcast? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I kind of had this conversation where, you know, atheism... The atheism scene is kind of like a nipple, and you've got... There's <laughs> you, You've got that hard center, the actual... The nipple itself that... that Everybody wants to spend all their time tweaking and touching and pulling and twisting. And then you've got the, the larger areola outside, which never really gets that much attention. And, you know, the nipples are well and good, but the areola is where we have to kind of start looking at, you know, concentrate on the whole breast as opposed to just that that nipple. Yeah, but the problem with the areola is that it's, it's often got little bumps. It's unseemly. You know, it, it, as w when we unravel the kinds of characters that can come out, like when we look at who's really emerging mm -hmm. as characters within the scene, you're like, some of them, you're, you think to yourself, I really don't want you there. <laughs> I want a better option. I want a better you. Like you, but better. You know? Can we mm -hmm. find something a little sexier, a little bit more fun? You know, it's not to denigrate anything, but I'm just saying, well, you know, when we're really trying to break through and, and have a significant impact, we're going to need to fucking sexify. And the, the sexiest man just died. Like, Christopher Hitchens it was the sexiest man in atheism. Undoubtedly. Every woman wanted to fuck him, trust me. Well, any, any, anyone that saw him naked probably wouldn't agree... Yeah, that. that's not really the most important thing, though, to to his sexiness. Yeah, I don't think you appeal. You understand who, who, his appeal. Who was it? Was it Scarlett Johansson that was banging someone? Someone rusty. rusty. Yeah. Oh God. I know. When I you're brilliant, dude. Sometimes, yeah, you can pull some fucking amazing shit. I'm suck on that, Komeini. Surprised, but all the all the same kind of delighted that such a thing can still happen. That that brilliance <laughs> can still really get you laid by can Scarlett still Johansson. Pull it. I, I can't even imagine. you can you imagine back in the '60s, uh, back when it was all the brilliant men. With all like the movie stars, because back then you could be a you could be a superstar scientist. Yeah, you just you you had an awesome fucking theory and all of it, or you're you wrote a great book, and now you're dating Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> awesome. 
Uh, well, you know, maybe we can get back to that age. You know, this was a, I think that this was still an age. Well, again, you you where... pu- you pulled your fiance off of talking atheism. That's true, and she's way above my league. Totally. So, only by utilizing my special verbal skills. So you salmon rushed that Scarlett Johansson. That's right. You know, it's funny. I, I actually, before she met me, Carissa had an impression because uh, of of my voice that I was much different in person, uh, more physically imposing for one. Uh, she actually thought that you should look like me, kind of computer nerdy and glasses and a bit skinny and shit. My voice is nerdy. Yeah. That's so very she thought she would say that you know if she saw a picture, she would assume that you were me. So just to let the ladies know, I'm the hunky one of the two. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter, man. Sexy voice is still what matters. Sexy voice is what matters. It 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 has an influence. But I you know I can't disagree with the fact that Hitch was one of one of the great atheists, and uh, he was pretty much the only person that was being invited onto television stations to uh, to discuss anything regarding atheism. The truth is, we have suffered a crippling loss. We were in denial about it because we thought maybe he could survive. I mean, the motherfucker was tough. But after I read his last article, I did want him to die. I don't know if you read it in, uh, yeah. in Vanity Fair. Yeah, it was pretty rough. It was rough. It it just it kind of like it made me think that uh, he had just given up, you know. And when he died later, I wasn't surprised. After reading the article, I thought to myself, "Yeah, that's normal when a person doesn't want to live to that degree where they think I would have rather died than suffered the fucking pain." You're like, "It's over. It is fucking over." Yeah, it was it was really interesting because you never hear too many people. Like nobody really writes that many treatises on 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 dying and death, and just to hear him spend about half a page talking about what you feel when you swallow, and of course with his characteristic uh, literary style, yeah, it, it it'll paint you a fucking picture that'll be hard to ignore. And again, I mean that's what I was talking about when it came to communicators, right? Christopher Hitchin was a brilliant communicator. Now, I uh, the way that I feel when he died was. Secretly, in my mind, I always wanted to be a Hitchens-like character. You know, I wanted to replace Christopher if if when he if and when he died. But I thought to myself, I'd have you know twenty years to kind of just develop my craft because it takes a while to be a brilliant motherfucker and to be awesome. It's like I'm not there yet. I'm not ready to take that fucking mantle. I'm not even close. You know, I think I'm a good communicator, but I'm no fucking Hitchens. And and just that that kind of realization of being like I'm nowhere close shattered the illusion that I had at the time. I mean, to some degree, it sustained me. I'm like, I just have to keep on pressing. I'll I'll follow Hitchens' examples. I'll learn from what he learns. And in a sense, you know, I'll try to be as as acerbic and brilliant as I fucking possibly can, constantly cramming my brain with information so that I'm undefeatable. But, I mean, I need years. I need decades before I can get there. So, a little bit of a minor panic. Christopher, you died way before you were supposed to. According to my plan. <laughs> and now he's gone. And now he's fucking gone. And we have to face the reality that we've lost the voice. And we also should probably face the reality that uh, a Christian resurgence is not out of the question. I mean, people talk... This is my problem with, with sideline atheists, is that they talk as if we've already won and there's nothing to worry about. It's completely wrong. Yeah. Just because you won the argument doesn't give doesn't fucking matter. The argument doesn't even matter. It's who do you have on your side? Who are you fucking rallying? Because trust me, the great thing, the powerful thing, if you want, about these religious groups is that they're awesome at rallying, okay? We, we're not awesome. Imagine I told you, atheist rally. I mean, those two words just make you want to laugh. Right out loud. Atheist rally. Ha! What, are 20 people going to show up? I mean, we can't have that, guys. It's over. I mean, the age where we could just sit on the fence, it will erode quickly. I mean, I cannot stress enough the idea that the that the reaction to our existence is a large factor of, of what's galvanizing and strengthening the, the religious right. It's a direct consequence of both us and, I would say, sort of gay rights. These two things have really galvanized these religious groups. I mean, when the Pope can go to England and say, come back to Catholicism after 700 years... Uh, because we hate gays. And they could do that! And then the government pays for him to come to England to recruit homophobes. I mean, guys, do you see why it's so hard to get the fucking message out there and why you're not even close to winning? They're paying money to spread nonsense, and we don't even... Guys like me trying to fucking spread reason are poppers. Yeah, yeah, we've won. We've won nothing. 
And don't think that uh, every single one of those groups are like, bring America back to Jesus. We got to bring it back towards the light. Don't think that they aren't getting more powerful as uh, shit gets worse and the economy gets worse. And they continue to bang that drum saying, if we were more holier, things would be better here. Well, this is why I was saying that before we need to find a, a, a bit of an emotional attachment to what we do here. I think it will provide the strength and commitment that we need to fucking make this thing happen. Reason alone will not do it. You know, as so long as reason is our guide, we can still have emotions about reason. Like, for instance, I'm hopeful that reason can help humanity become better, become more moral and more good. This is my hope. This is an emotion, you know, and and it's I, I feel that it's somewhat supported by reason and, and by a lot of evidence, you know, that suggests that the less religious you are, the more moral you'll act, despite what every fucking religious person will tell you, you know. Facts don't really confirm what they're saying. It confirms what we're saying. But, you know, we have, we have the rigor, right? Nothing that I believe will, uh, you know, everything I believe will need to pass the rigor. That's it. If you do not pass it, you will not be fucking part of my emotional wheel. But, guys, we're not robots, okay? We, we, we can't move forward as a movement until we start really becoming a little bit more emotional. As weird as that fucking sounds. Or until we, we're able to convey a message... Uh, more effectively than we currently are now. Yeah. Because to a certain degree, because you want to know why people hate atheists, or at least religious people hate atheists, is because the inherent idea behind atheism to a religious person is what a religious person believes is stupid. I'm sorry, it kind of is true, because deep down on that level, we're like, yeah, God, Jesus, the Holy Ghost, Mary, communion, it is pretty stupid. <laughs> so. Well, it's frustrating, like, uh, I was reading this article on CNN Belief Blog, and it was about this guy saying the. It was an article outlining the three misconceptions of the Bible. Now, the guy, a pastor, was saying stuff that you know any serious study of the Bible will tell you. Like, for instance, that the Gospels were written written decades after the the, the supposed birth of Jesus. That they provided horrible evidence, especially in their contradiction, and so on and so forth, and that he was even talking about, like, criticizing individuals who use biblical literalism to justify homophobia by pointing out that biblical literalism would make you want to stone people that work on Sundays, or uh, force you to marry uh, your daughter to the man who raped her if she was a virgin. You know, like, there's lots of stuff that literalism uh, is, you know, lots of stuff that we ignore in that kind of literalism. But it's working so well in Afghanistan. <laughs> but the, my, my general point is, this individual accepts all of these weaknesses of the book, accepts the fact that it has been translated, accepts the fact that it, it doesn't really convey any moral message oftentimes, or that it's, it's sometimes brutal. And then at the same time says, this book is really important to me. And I really believe in what this book says. This is the cognitive dissonance that makes your brain go, ow! You know, like, when we're when you're out of that delusional bubble, yeah, everything sounds like a lot of ow. Like, why don't you just take that extra leap? Guy, the book is shit. Abandon the book. Ta-da! Freedom. Or at least just take the good stuff and everything that's bad, we could just agree is bad. Nothing wrong with that. If we, if, if we got away from this, it's the word of God and everything goes, uh, then I would be, you know, much less likely to be combating religion as I am now, because, uh... Then we wouldn't have all these crazy issues about religious people thinking that no one should be allowed to have a divorce or an abortion. I, I would say that generally speaking, it should. It, it, you can't even take the good stuff out of it. And I'll tell you why. If tomorrow every single fucking Bible disappeared, that there was no way to, and, and all knowledge of the Bible disappeared, would it change in any way fundamentally how we behave, how we morally behave? I don't fucking think so. Well, who knows what manual we decide to put up on a pedestal next would be like, so... But we already have these manuals. It doesn't matter what we put into fucking, like, on the pedestal. It'll still just be... It'll be the same. We could eliminate it, and it wouldn't make a... It wouldn't make a dent. Because the truth is, is it isn't built on one system. Our morality is built on a whole fucking foundation of other thought, uh, you know... Uh, of other philosophies and, and modes of thought. They're not reliant on the motherfucking Bible. I say, fuck it. Don't even take the good. Better stuff is available out there. Way better stuff. Like, what are you going to take from the Bible that's really awesome, right? What are you going to take? Like, even the thou shalt not murder. Well, that's a tricky one. What Or thou shalt not kill. What if a fucking person is trying to kill you? You can't even obey that one. It's pretty fucked up if you think about it. It's not the proper way to put it. It's obviously something like... Don't kill anybody, but if you do it when they're trying to kill you, it's not as bad. Yeah, you need an asterisk in there. Caveat or two. Exactly. Exactly. But you don't have those asterisks in there anyways. They're 
interpretation. Well, I mean, they are in there because then they're like, go out and murder all those fucking Canaanites because they <laughs> suck. But that's what I mean. I mean, there's there is nothing in the Bible that is moral, more moral than what we have now, as, as standards of, of of ethics. So throw it in the trash bin. I really don't care about it. A person could tell me it's beautiful language. I would feel no loss in it being gone. Because at least, at the very least, we would stop having such fraudulent history on display. You know, where, where a person says, oh yes, the kingdom of David extended from this to this because the Bible says so. Even though there's no archaeological evidence to suggest that the kingdom of David was anywhere near the size that the Bible claims it was. But hey, guess what? They'll take the Bible's word over archaeological evidence. Garbage! Fucking garbage! It makes us stupider! That's what the problem with this fucking Or who cares thing. about conservation or species and animals and stuff? Because in Genesis it said something about us being uh, the owners. Genesis, Genesis! With a snake and an apple and bitches die in childbirth because fuck them. They ate that <laughs> apple and they, they gave it to Adam and they screwed our crap up. Jeez. Yeah, so I, I wouldn't say keep anything. But uh, generally speaking, yeah, this guy this guy wrote I thought the most concise criticism of the Bible, but then continues to choose to believe in it. So we have a hard time respecting uh, those kinds of opinions. But like you said before, I mean, yeah, their perception may be they make fun of me, or I, I think more generally, here's the problem that religious, religionists have with us, that we exist. The fact that you could accept to live without God and there would be no negative consequences, that you could be still a good person. That's terrifying to them. Because how many of them really believe that the sole reason they are good is because they believe that Jesus Christ is their savior? Mm. And, and they've, they've created a false view of themselves, but it's contingent on that religion. So how are we supposed to get a person to abandon it? Yeah, and it's difficult because to a certain degree, religions are just expressions of control. And human beings, as human beings, are always, as a societal creature, are always just trying to control other human beings. So you've got this religion that allows you, gives you, gives you justification for control over all. And then these other people are trying to shuck off that control. How's that going to make you feel? Well, the truth of the matter, though, is in our group, in as a, as a community... One of our strengths is the fact that we're very independent, but this is also our major weakness. We can have so little consensus that we have no movement forward. You know what I mean? We have no forward momentum because everyone's too busy disagreeing about which way we should go, and no one's really willing to kind of just say, I may not 100% agree with this, but I'm going to do it because it serves the greater good. We don't want that. We, I think that every individual atheist has an idea of what the scene should be like, wants to fucking push that view, even though it might not be the best one, but they're just like, well, I think I know what I'm talking about, and I'm an individual, and listen to me. Well, I'll tell you one thing. You do have an opportunity to get get listened to, but I would say that unless you're fucking seriously involved in this scene, then uh, shut the fuck up. And just, uh, and, and, and just start listening to maybe some, uh, just a couple of orders. Yeah, <laughs> I'm telling you, we're gonna have to do that. I know you're it's scary saying, and horrible. You're, saying, you're yeah. saying that us cats need to learn how to be herded. Yeah, to a degree. See, this to a degree. This this is where every time we talk about Jake and saying when he's gonna eventually start his commune, he's gonna be like such a totalitarian. I'm not gonna be a totalitarian. Look, it's not as though I'm just gonna rule rule with an iron no. fist. All I'm saying just is that pe people need to do what I say. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for putting words in my mouth, you <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> All right, well, all subtlety is lost in that discussion, but who needs subtlety? This is the good atheist. This is not subtle. I hit you over the head with a sledgehammer. Sledgehammer of justice. <laughs> okay, more, more, more generally, I, I want to touch on one last thing with Christopher Hitchens before we go, because I think uh, probably a few people were wondering when I would talk about it and, uh, and what I would say more generally about Christopher Hitchens, because I think that for a lot of people, Christopher is the reason that you got interested in the scene. Uh, I think for a lot of us... He, he spoke to that sense of outrage, the, the frustration and the passion. And uh, that's the last thing that Susan Jacoby said that I thought was really important, is that we need to have passion. We cannot be just conscientious objectors, okay? That, that's not how you win, okay? You win by really believing what the fuck you're saying and pushing it forward. That's it. And uh, the more passionate you are, the better. And honestly, the, 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 if you feel some bit of trepidation of saying, well, I feel that to some degree if we get too emotional, the truth might be lost somewhere in there. And uh, there, that danger always exists. But and plus, it, it, 
it betrays the science that we that that is the all the which is the the key thing that we care about with this it right. betrays the truth it betrays that 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 need, that need to and instead sort of like caters to emotion and and here's what i have to say to you about that is it start fucking being realistic about people stop thinking what should be as in we should be more aligned towards the scientific method and reach towards this unaccomplishable goal and realize what are human beings actually like and how can i work with them you know think about your fucking audience you're not going to force them to behave the way they should they're going to behave the way they behave so learn what that behavior is and adjust yourself and just accept that that's humanity and we're all trying to improve ourselves, but uh, we rack disagree. There are a lot of socially retarded people in the atheism scene yep. and they don't all know how to deal with women. It's just it's just the reality. And pointing that out and making us feel bad about it just hurts. <laughs> <laughs> really went full circle there, right? I didn't think it was going to go in there, but uh, I appreciate the way you just sort of like tied it in together. Almost like a neat little bow. Mm. And I think that we should neatly tie the bow. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Uh, let's let's spend the next show talking all about Hitchens. We could lay out like a good map and we could kind of drive through. Yeah, the best the best of kind of Hitch. Or sort of like my... my um, Our feelings towards him. Yeah, we'll do hits. a tribute show. We'll I do like a tribute that. show on on the next episode uh, because I think that there's still there's still a lot of things that I'm wrestling with. I'm still at that point where I'm like, we just lost the voice, and I'm still not over it. I'm like, hello, it is a great voice. Every I, I've been listening to, uh, I, I have to listen to to audiobooks to sleep. Otherwise, my brain just doesn't shut up. And uh, Christopher Hitchens uh, was was pretty much like God is not great. I listened to that for a good nine months. <laughs> oh God. Just every night, ten minutes before, like as I was falling asleep, falling asleep to the uh, to the sounds of Christopher Hitchens talking in my ear. It's beautiful. It's like the way that he delivered his his material, the hitch slap, if you want. Yeah, I like will, that. Uh, will remain with us for a long time. But you know, here's the truth, guys. I mean, we really have to think about who's the next voice, and we got to find that voice. That's what we got to do. And or, maybe or, or that voice just, already exists. We just, we just got to hope that a lot more people are going to take Hitchens' approach because it seemed to work pretty well. And if we all just carry a little bit of Hitch in our hearts... Hitch in our hearts. Oh, my God. I want that shirt. Then... Uh, a <laughs> little bit of Hitch in your heart. Then that would be good because, uh, yeah, there's a lot of people repping a lot of different kinds of atheisms, but Hitch was special. Yeah. His seemed right. He's <laughs> like, I think that's how I want to think. That's That's... Scary as that sounds, it was like I like the way that motherfucker thinks, and uh, the fact that his consciousness and arrangement of neurons is gone forever is uh, upsetting. Yeah. <laughs> okay, with that, my name is Jacob Forte, and I'm Ryan Harkness. Have a good atheist day, everybody.